Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the 12th Cast. This is Jake Kirshner, co-author of Just 12, host of the 12th Cast. Thanks for joining in today. Wanted to share and see if this relates to you at all. I know for me, sometimes I have this tendency that when I'm trying to depend on God, when I'm trying to do what I feel like God's called me to do, um, maybe I'll start putting together some lists. You know, I'll have uh, goals and, and dreams or ideas or, or even just tasks that I, I feel like, yeah, this is what God's asked me to do to accomplish the things that he's asked me to do. Maybe it's more of, here's what I think I need to do to accomplish what God's asked me to do. And I'll start working that list, right? I'll make a list, I'll work the list. I make some goals, I work the goals. And eventually, I'll start seeing some efficiency, some productivity, some effectiveness. And when that happens, for some reason, and like I said, this is me, maybe it happens to you, I spend less time trying to connect with God, trying to encounter God through Jesus, less time asking him for his thoughts, his wisdom, his help, I find myself more and more overwhelmed by the tasks that I put down on my list, by the goals that I have in front of me. And maybe not just overwhelmed, but at points like, I can do this. I've been doing this. I can get this done. It's almost like I forget to spend time depending on God. And there's moments in my life that dependency is more of a convenience than it is an essential for survival. Uh, but dependency on God is more like, hey, God, here's all those things I have that I, I think I need to accomplish. Maybe you could step in and help me with these. That's usually how the dependency goes. But there are windows, there are pockets of time and places where where I really feel like, man, this is this is the direction, like the dependency that I feel, the closeness that I feel, the presence of Christ that I feel, it is just driving so much of what I'm doing. And like I said, inevitably, it feels like when that starts to happen, I start to rely more and more on myself, more and more self-reliant and self-referential. Now, today I want to talk a little bit about this dependency that we see in Jesus. You know, Scott and I, we talked a lot when we, when we were writing the book about uh, one of these things that Jesus, we see Jesus do. It's towards the end of his ministry, right before he's arrested, crucified, buried, right after, right before that. He's spending time praying for his 12, for his disciples. And he says this thing, this is recorded in the Gospel of John. He says this thing that Scott and I debated a little bit back and forth and had some really great conversations around. It's when Jesus says, hey, I've accomplished, he's talking to the Father. He says, I've accomplished everything you've set out for me to do, which is just such an interesting thing to say because he hasn't accomplished the work that leads to salvation. He hasn't accomplished the work that leads to conquering sin and death. But he says, I've accomplished everything you set out for me. What has he accomplished? Actually, if you read the rest of that, those chapters, that, that narrative, that prayer that he's praying, he's talking about those that God has entrusted to him, his disciples, his 12. Now, I don't know if Jesus had a to-do list, a goals list when it comes to what he felt God was saying for him to do with his 12. How God was asking him, how the father was asking him to invest and prioritize his 12. I mean, I doubt it. I doubt he had a to-do list. He just doesn't seem to be super rigid about how he's doing things. And at the same time, he says things like, I only do what I see the father calling me to do. So there's some sort of balance between him being in the moment, feeling out the moments, like when he was 
one of his first miracles when he's with his mother and his mother says, hey, they're out of wine. And he turns water into wine. And before he does that, he says, hey, my time has not yet come. So that wasn't on his to-do list for the day. And yet something switched. He had some sort of idea about the presence of God and what the presence of God was calling him to do. So there's some sort of balance. And really, it'd be really easy to get hung up on is it supposed to be every minute, every detail, every conversation, every word? Is that is that what it means to do only what the Father has called me to do? Or, or is it more general than that? More like the general will and general purposes of God. I got to believe it's somewhere in between because it'd be really easy to get caught up in all of that rather than look at maybe how Jesus did the dependency part. How How was Jesus dependent? In the book, Scott and I talk about dependency as one of these core characteristics that we see in Jesus. We call it radical dependency. Jesus had an unwavering commitment to hear from the spirit of God through prayer, solitude, scripture, and community. This is the root of his identity and the source of power and authority. He carried it into the world. Jesus only did that which he saw the father doing, and he regularly spent time surrendering his own will to the will of the father. Like I said, I was curious if Jesus had a to-do list, and I'm convinced he didn't. But I, I do want to spend a little bit of time going back. What was the first moment that Jesus showed that dependency on the Spirit of God? When did he first exercise that dependency in a way that's written and recorded? And three out of the four narratives about his life, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all talk about that first moment. And it comes at his baptism. It comes at the baptism of Jesus. John the Baptist is out in the wilderness. He's baptizing people. And Jesus comes and John's like, hey, you should be baptized. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, far be it from me. I'm not going to go against the will of my father. This needs to happen for everything to be fulfilled, for all to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill all the things that need to happen for everything to be set right between God and man, between men and men and between men and the world. This is how things are going to be made right relationally for all humanity. That Jesus shows this dependency on the Father. He shows this dependency on the Spirit of God. And the next thing that happens, and this isn't recorded in, in all the narratives about Jesus, but one of those narratives says, the Spirit of God descended like a dove on Jesus and a voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. I've always thought this was really compelling that before Jesus did any of his ministry, before he did the miracles, before he did the preaching, before he did all the work, God's already pleased with who he is. Because the dependency that Jesus shows is tied and rooted to Jesus's identity as the son of God. And, and, I, and I believe that dependency and identity is so interconnected that we need to pay attention to this first moments when Jesus shows this dependency. Because dependency is about our identity. And when we see Jesus show his dependency on the father, his identity is shown. And then the first thing that happens is the spirit leads Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. Three temptations comes his way. I'm going to share these three this, that Henry Nouwen talks about. It's, it's the temptation to be relevant, the temptation to be, do something spectacular, and the, spe, uh, the temptation for something powerful. 
the temptation have power. It's interesting that these three temptations that Jesus has, I believe, are not just, to, if you look at the, the root of it, it's not just a temptation for food or a temptation to, to you know, call down angels. It's a temptation going after his identity. Because if he wavers on his dependency, his identity is in question as well. And that's true for us as well. So just going to talk about those three things really quick. First one, uh, to do something relevant. Turning a rock into bread was the temptation. It'd be relevant for him to do that. It, it would fulfill a need. When now one talks about this temptation, he's really talking about these temptations for leaders. Leaders face these temptations. But I believe that any of us who are prioritizing 12, who are trying to invest in 12 other people like Jesus did, we have these same temptations. Temptation to be relevant, to the temptation to be useful, to do something that shows that we can make a difference, that we're making a difference or can make something different. The second temptation to do something spectacular. He's tempted by the devil to jump off the temple and, and ask the angels to save him. Jesus doesn't fall for it. But we all have this temptation. It's this temptation to do something heroic, to do something, uh, to accomplish something that others admire or will celebrate or will applaud. The third one, to do something powerful. The temptation is from the devil is to, he shows them all the, the kingdoms of the world and says, hey, just, just bow down. Just make me your authority and I'll give you all of this. I'll have, I'll give you all the power. Finally, Jesus says, you need to go away. I'm not going to fall for it. But that temptation to do something powerful, to, to substitute power for love and intimacy, for self-sacrifice, that self-sacrificial love that Jesus then goes on to show us. The temptation is there to do something powerful rather than something loving. Now, all those things are temptations that we could feel to do more, to be more, to, to bring about some change. I'll just share for me how I felt these temptations at different times, especially as it relates to pouring into my 12. Because if you're going to love people like Jesus loved his 12, I believe these temptations are going to come your way because your identity and dependency are tied together. They're connected. If you depend on God to make an impact in somebody's life, then you're not depending on yourself to be relevant. I, I know for me, there's been times with my 12 that I just want to make some sort of connection with a person that maybe is a little further from God or a person that, that I want to help them move along in their, their relationship of obedience to Jesus. And there's this temptation to, to share a story or to do something. And, and when we do this thing called serving and socializing with people, to serve somebody in a way that they go, oh, wow, what a difference you're making in my life. And like I said before, then when I start becoming effective and efficient, I start to think, oh, I can do this on my own. I can make this impact. Look at the impact I'm making in this person's life. And all of a sudden, I'm not dependent on the spirit of God. And I start to lose that connection to my true identity. Uh, how about doing something spectacular? You know, oh, you know what, what, kind of, uh, what kind of school I went to? You know what kind of degree I have? You know what my job title is? 
Oh, do you know the things that I've overcome? Do you know the things that I've accomplished? Oh, do you know that I'm an author of, of a book? Oh, do you know that I can speak? I love to do public speaking. Do you know I can do X, Y, or Z? I mean, the temptation to have somebody admire us, the temptation to, to have somebody see our trophy case of faith, that's real. And when that happens, when people applaud that and celebrate that, the temptation is then to say, well, see, I can make a difference. I, I'm the one doing the work here. And we start to forget that Jesus doesn't need those things to make an impact in somebody's life. How about the temptation to be powerful? The, the temptation to substitute power over authenticity and intimacy. Now, this might take the form of, of a couple different things. Maybe it's saying something like, well, you know, I've been a Christ follower for longer than you. Well, I, I know a lot about the Bible. Or maybe it's just sharing a story that sounds, maybe it's a little combination of spectacular and relevant, but it's for the purpose of having power over somebody because you want to control the outcome. Maybe there's some sort of outcome of this person changing their ways. Maybe it's your Judas and you're just like, they just need to change. And so we start exercising our power. It's really interesting that Apostle Paul has an opportunity to do this when he's talking to Philemon about uh, his slave, the slave that he has. And he says, hey, he kind of plays this line of, I could say to you, out of the, the fact that I'm an apostle, that I've been doing this, that I'm one of the leaders of, of this movement, I could use that and tell you to just stop doing this or to do it this way, but I'm not going to do that. Rather, I'm going to appeal to the fact that we are, we're brothers, we're co-heirs under Jesus. And this is what Jesus would have us do, not this is what I, Paul, would have us do. It's not about exercising authority and power and position or trying to get a position over somebody else. That's for me. I'll be curious for you. I, I believe that if you are going to start pouring into your 12, start prioritizing them, loving them like Jesus did, there are going to come tests that are going to test your dependency on Jesus, test your dependency on the Father. And I believe those tests will come in these ways, to test to be relevant, to do something spectacular or do something powerful. We talk about in the book when we say spirit-fueled, we say there's this temptation or this thing that will happen that, that there's a possibility of, of bailing out or burning out, of bailing out. And I think one of the ways that we end up bailing out when, when things get hard, when it's, it's hard to be intimate, it's hard to be self-sacrificial and loving, it's hard to, to, to not want to uh, make somebody change, or maybe it's just hard to, to connect with people, whatever it might be, when it starts getting hard, and then we start to say, well, maybe there's a different way we need to do this. And we bail out and we say, no, I got to go do something spectacular. I'm going to go to do something powerful. I'm going to go do something more relevant than this because the way of Jesus of investing in this narrowed relational focus of just 12 doesn't feel really relevant at the time, all the time. It doesn't feel very powerful and effective all the time because it's slow and it's simple, but it is sustainable. And it's something all of us can be a part of. It may not feel spectacular, but to bail out and say, I'm going to go try to do something that's going to blow the world away. Try to go make a name for myself, and then I'll point people to God when they, they see this great thing that's being done. I think more times than not, that's not the case that happens. When we do something spectacular, we stop depending on the Father, and we start to lose our true identity. 
So what is it going to be for you? How do you feel these temptations? How do you feel this temptation to be relevant with your 12? How have you felt this temptation to be spectacular and powerful? When I say burnout, so there's the bailout to, to just bail out and investing in 12 and trying to go do something different. But there's also the burnout of trying to do these things in your own power, trying to be useful, trying to achieve something, trying to make somebody change, exercise authority over, trying to make those things happen. Eventually, because you're not depending on the spirit, you're going to burn out. I, as I was reflecting on this and just recently journaling a little bit about, you know, God, sometimes it feels like I'm really close. And other times I feel like I have a really hard time feeling like you're close, feeling like I understand what you're trying to say and do. And that time of reflection brought about a little bit of a, of a realization that those moments that I start to feel like I'm frustrated or like God's far, that's not God punishing me. That's God giving me a revelation. That's God giving me uh, a cue, an indication, kind of like a, a something in my spirit that's a thermostat, that it's not God that's moved away. It's me that's moved away. And most often, more often than not, for me, I, I haven't moved away because I don't want to be close to Jesus or haven't even moved away because I'm not spending time praying or in my Bible. Those things are still happening. But sometimes what's, what's moved away, oftentimes what's moved away is my dependency when it comes to loving others, my dependency when it comes to being effective and efficient and having outcomes, whatever those things would be. When, those, when I see things being efficient and effective, when I see some sort of product to my efforts, it's so easy to stop depending on Jesus. May you and I be, be followers of Jesus that depend on his spirit, that when we step into our relationships, we do it following Jesus, trusting Jesus, knowing that he's working in us and through us, that his presence is essential for our survival, not just convenient for our goals. Keep working at Loving Your 12. Keep sharing the stories that God's working because of those relationships. And keep praying that we would see everyone and someone's 12.